Oh, this looks great. Got it. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. He is the Cadbury Schweppes. Uh, Nico Hearn uh, claiming the 2006 Australian PGA Championship. It was at the uh, peak of his game that time. He was, uh, I think, he topped the Australian order, uh, Australasia Order of Merit. He was in the President's Cup team, the, the World Cup team. He had a world ranking inside the top 20. And he's our first guest as our blast from the past yesterday's hero, Nico Hearn. You know what he is, too? He's the only man on this planet... Mm. On this planet, yes, we know to beat Tiger Woods twice in match. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't reckon he's heard that before. I don't care. I'd hear it all every day. If I could. That'd be <laughs> the alarm I'd wake up to. <laughs> hey, Nick. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, good morning, guys. Always great to chat. <laughs> Are you off to Fiji today? I am. I'm doing. Uh, I'm emceeing the BMW Golf Cup National Final for Australia and New Zealand. So oh. first time I've held it in Fiji. So uh, heading there for a couple of days. Something <laughs> different. Spewing. <laughs> that sounds like a horrible gig, Nick. <laughs> yeah, someone's hey, got to do it. Hey, Nick, uh, been uh, enjoying your, your commentary of on the uh, on the tour, and of course, including the tournaments over here in Western Australia. We yeah. want to ask you the hard questions first, though. When you were the 2009 number one ticket holder at the Fremantle Football Club, oh. did you enjoy that? What sort of what what did you do as the number one ticket holder for the Dockers? That's a very good question. Um, I'm still waiting to find out what I need to do. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, to be honest, I was actually in the US most of the time, so my parents uh, went to all the games for me and gave me all the updates, which was great. And you know, I watched it online and whenever I possibly could. But uh, yeah, just used to promote the club a little bit here and there. But um, it was a, it was a very good honour. Uh, an amazing honour to be number one ticket holder for a year. So yeah. I'm not sure they got much value out of it, though. Are you still rusted on Frio? Do you still follow the footy and still love the Dockers? Yeah, ever since I came back to Australia four years ago, I'm, I'm back into the footy again. I sort of lost touch with it, I guess, for a while, just because living in America, you tend to get caught up in all those sports. Got right into the NFL and the basketball, baseball. But uh, now that I'm back um, living in Melbourne these days, mm. it's, it's hard not to you know, get into the footy again because a lot of my friends are Collingwood fans, so look out. Oh, it was a great couple of weeks, Nick, let me tell you. It was a great, <laughs> it was a great, well, it's been a great couple of years, but I tell you, I, I remember um, coming over to watch you at uh, Royal Melbourne and you were, you were, I can't remember the tournament, um, but it was, uh, I walked a couple of holes with you and, and your caddy showed me your bag and it was a beautiful ping bag. It was spectacular. It, was, it looked so nice. And then he turned it around. It was Big Frio Dockers emblazoned all over the bag. I thought, what a really bad way to ruin a bag, Nick. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's uh, got to show love for the team, absolutely. Had the big purple anchor on there, and I know uh, you were very jealous of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, um, I, I want to make mention of um, a couple of the books that you've, you've written, and the first one that I read was Tour Mentality. It's sensational read for like the hacker like myself to uh, just to, to try and get into a few mindset patterns and that sort of thing. And the first time ever it got me into single figures in my lifetime. I'm horribly blown out since then. But you obviously have a, a really good knack of being able to explain the game to people who aren't, you know, single figures or, you know, one, two scratch handicappers, that sort of thing. Do you love that education side of the game? Oh, I do. And I think the strange part about it is, is I actually started out as a teaching pro. I did my traineeship back in Perth many years ago at a couple of public golf courses. And uh, and I really taught the game through to my mid-20s because I wasn't good enough to play at that stage. And then when I figured the golf out for myself, I, I went obviously and played around the world for about 20 years. And now that I've stopped playing competitively, I'm back into the coaching side of things and mentoring up-and-coming tour pros and elite amateurs, that sort of thing. And, and I guess that first book, 
came about a bit by accident after I stopped playing. I was living, still living in America and uh, played around a round of golf with a friend of mine who was really struggling with the mental side. And I gave him a few pointers and he said, oh, you should write a book on all this stuff. <laughs> I said, no, nah, there are plenty of mental game books out there already. And he said, yeah, but they're all written by sports psychologists. You actually played the game for a living. So the more I thought about it, I thought, yeah, maybe there's something in this. And, uh, and Tour Mentality was a, a great book. It came out and had its own little cult following. And then obviously when COVID hit, uh, with all the lockdowns here in Melbourne particularly, where we couldn't play golf, I, I'd always had a, an idea to write a follow-up book. And um, so that gave me the time to do it. And the last one came out uh, last year called How to Play Your Best Golf. So since your handicap's blown out, Scotty, I think you might need to read the second book and yep. it'll get you back down into single figures again. Yeah, well, jeez, <laughs> I hope so. I might have to go and get older. Plays a lot of golf, let me tell you. <laughs> I have to go and get Seriously. older, that one. Hey, Nick, I'm just interested to know, you talk about being a, a you know a teaching pro and the like. Now, you're a left-hander. I'm a left-hander. Greg Chalmers taught me something out at... Um, uh, golf course but many, many moons ago. I've never recovered since. I'm the worst golfer ever since that day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to know, when you're a teaching pro and you're a left-hander, and I know, I'm pretty sure you can play right-handed as well, did you, um, did, uh, did, did students come to you as left-handers or is it hard for them to sort of copy what you're doing in like a mirror image type stuff? And I'm being genuinely serious. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I do get a, quite a few left-handers come to me because they, they like to be taught by a lefty. The weird thing is I don't really even see myself as a lefty. Whenever I see left-handed golfers, I go, oh, that looks kind of strange. So <laughs> I've always been a mirror. I've always been a mirror image kind of guy. Even my, you know, my coach, Neil Simpson, he used to try and show me things left-handed. And I'd say, Neil, no, don't do that. Just show me right-handed. And I used to sort of mm. copy as a mirror image. And, and now these days, funnily enough, I putt right-handed. Because left handed just got too easy, so I thought I'd try something oh, different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, that's a long story going to right handed putting. But uh, no, I can play a bit right handed. My goal is actually to, to try and get a handicap right handed because I, I think I might be able to get into single figures, but we'll see. One day I might do it. Oh, that's just showing off. It is. Have you got that's a burning showing. ambition to, to play on the seniors tour proper anywhere, Europe, America? Have you still got that, or are you, t- you're just happily back here doing what you do? No, no burning ambition. I mean, I'm 52 now. I, could, I, I was eligible to play a couple of years ago. I mean, the U.S. is really tough to get on that tour, and that would mean going back there and travelling. And the reason I stopped playing was I wanted to spend more time home with the family and watch the kids grow up, things like that. So I think once, maybe in a couple of years, my youngest will be finished school. Perhaps I'll try and go and play a little bit in Europe. I mean, I'm I'm exempt over there if I wanted to play, but I'm very happy being here in Australia. And talking about golf now is much easier than playing it, that's for sure. So I get to see all the up-and-coming uh, Great players, and we've got some really good ones from WA coming through too, like Josh Greer and uh, and uh, Connor McKinney, and they're they're all following in the footsteps, obviously, of Minwoo Lee, um, his sister Minji, who won again last yeah, week, which is fantastic, and uh, and Hannah Green, obviously, as well. So WA is looking really strong. And you and Marco, Mark Allen, are a fantastic combo. Uh, Watch the last couple that you've done the WA. Open in the WAPGA in Kalgoorlie. Great calling uh, by you two. Have you got a highlight, Nick? Uh, I mean, there'd be so many, but are there, are there moments of your career where you go, yeah, that's that's the one, or is it, you know, is it playing one-on-one v Tiger? Is it winning the the PGA Championship? Is it playing President's Cup? Yeah, well, I mean, I wish when I played Tiger that was for the title. It was just more, you know, second and third round of the match play. So I still had to compete after that to try and win the tournament, which unfortunately I never did. So, I mean, those those Tiger Woods victories are obviously right up there and it's probably the most common 
question I do get asked, um, you know, how did I beat him? And I always say, well, I found his weakness. He doesn't like short-hitting left-handed Australians. So <laughs> if you want those. Well, it was a lot pl- was a lot planning, though, Nick. By the sound, but... It was a lot planning. I'm I imagine everyone's around him. Everyone's there to, to watch him play. And then uh, this, uh, as you said, short left-hander from Australia came along and rolled him. There wouldn't have been a lot of attention for you. No, well, the first time there wasn't, for sure, and I kind of was a bit of a surprise upset. But the second time, obviously, I'd beaten him before, and uh, it was at a time in his career when he was number one in the world, obviously, and he was trying to beat Byron Nelson's record of 11 tournament wins in a row, and he won, like, the previous seven going into the match play. So it was a day in uh, in Tucson, Arizona, where no one, absolutely no one wanted me to win except my wife and my kids, and uh, <laughs> the abuse I copped that day was much like a football match, uh, and it was a lot of fun, and, uh, and I just remember walking off going, you beauty, that was pretty impressive. No one can say they've done it 2-0. and oh. So uh, it was a real thrill. But um, President's Cups were obviously a lot of fun. I enjoyed playing those. It was really, really weird walking onto the first tee with, you know, my idol, Jack Nicholas, my captain, Gary Play there, and then uh, a couple of presidents waiting for me. That was a real uh, nervous moment in my career, which I'll never forget, that's for sure. So uh, you talk about first tee nerves, well, that's right up there as well. But the PGA win, I guess, probably is, you know, one of those things, the way it happened to hold the bunk shot on the fourth playoff hole. Yes. That was probably the highlight, I'd say. Unbelievable. Hey, mate, uh, last one before you let you go. Favourite course? Well, it has to be the old course at St Andrews. It's just uh, the town, the people, the, you know, the, the, the mystique. Every time you play it, the wind changes and it's a different golf course altogether. I've always loved it. And last one. F- and the Open Championship there is just incredible. Yeah. And the last one before we let you go, the next big thing in Australian golf. The next big thing. Well, who knows? Yeah, it's, <laughs> we've got a lot of good players coming up. I mean, Mark Allen over the, over the weekend on our, on our commentary, he said, look, if I had a draft right now, Josh Greer would be my number one pick. Mm. So um, I, I'd keep an eye on him for sure, as I mentioned, Connor McKinney. But uh, I tell you, the, the Lee siblings, they're just dominating and uh, they are the next big thing, that's for sure. Yeah, they certainly are, Minji and Minwoo. Hey, mate, appreciate your time. Travel safe to uh, Fiji, mate. Keep up the good work. Talk birdie to me as well. The podcast, fantastic. And we love your stuff on uh, on social media as well. Thanks for joining us and thanks for being our first blast from the past, yesterday's hero. It doesn't sound very nice, but anyway, we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me sound a bit old. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Nico Heard, absolute legend. He gives all left-handers hope. He's a great man, Nick. And I'll tell you, his books are, well, the two men tell you, a beauty. After 7 o'clock, Riley Hardman, Swan District's youngster, trying to get yeah. into the AFL system, of course. We're here for Fleet Network. Dabo's Novated Leasing Specialist. Riley Hardman will join us. A draft hopeful. Tyler Brockman will join us, joining the West Coast Eagles. And after 7.30, John, really, Wildcats fans, we're going straight for the juggler. What's happened at the Cats?